Welcome to Full Rigor, a Florida true crime podcast. I'm Karen Curtis, and I'm joined by my good friend and reporter, Ron Hersey, who also helped me with the Gerard Schaefer, the former Martin County deputy story with the double tree and hanging the hitchhikers. Yeah, that was very scary. Thanks for joining me again. Good to be here. Well, you brought up Otis Tool, which we're going to talk about, and I wanted to include you on that because you covered him. Again, yeah, it was one of those cases where I was still early in my radio career and it was one of those cases that was in the news and coming to South Florida like I think within the first week I'd come to South Florida one of the first things we did was a live broadcast from the Hollywood Mall where Adam Walsh had disappeared and we had Adam's parents there John was there and I believe it was pronounced Reve yeah Reve uh, and actually interviewed them both on the air and talked with them at great length on the air about Adam's description and where they thought he might be and so it was a case that I was pretty closely uh, associated with for a long time. Years later in the 80s I actually did an art show that benefited Reve's she had a charitable foundation for the safety of children and eventually they had George W. Bush pass legislation uh, to protect children as well as a result of that what happened to their child here's Bush. It's now my high honor to sign the Adam Walsh Child Protection and Safety Act. So, but also joining us is my little bear, bear cub reporter, Lexi Bear. Hey, guys. And she's also sort of the uh, full rigor podcast producer slash researcher, which I love. Thank you. So we are talking about Otis Tool. So Adam Walsh is part of his story. He was a serial killer born in 1947 and not the brightest bulb on the chandelier. Confusing, though, because he got away with a lot for... For being what? What was his IQ, 75? Yeah. Like a room temperature? <laughs> <laughs> but amazingly, he did. Um, he was born in Jacksonville, so, of course, there's our Florida connection. And he said he committed his first murder when he was 14. And it, you said his mom had uh, some strange, very extreme religious practices. It was him. He actually was close to his mom, but it was dysfunctional... He was in and out of the house. His dad was abandoned him, but he was in and out of the house. He sold himself apparently on the street as a prostitute. And that's why his murders were so young because he was in jail so young already for armed robbery. But his mom didn't die until he was 34. And that's when I learned that apparently he was a ritualist, had some devil worshiping going on. He was sleeping on her grave. Ooh. Apparently his mom uh, was reported to be cruel to both him and... Uh his grandmother, and she possessed extreme religious views, so maybe she was a zealot and he became a devil worshiper. Yeah. And interesting, too, there's a lot of parallels between some things that went on in his early life, pretty similar to what went on with uh, Gerard Schaefer when we talked about him uh, last week. Uh, there were some instances where he claimed that his mother had dressed him in girls' clothes, there was some instances of cross-dressing in Gerard Schaefer's right. past as well uh, that had something to do with their parents. Uh, and the fact that they both seemed to drift around. They were drifters. They were in various parts of the country. And it seems like a lot of times they would uh, 
come to uh, rest for a while in a particular area, but they would wind up leaving again when they were accused of committing some sort of crime. They would just leave the area. And you mentioned, uh, Lexi, how interesting, even though he wasn't as bright as uh, the uh, average person, he still managed to get away with a lot. But you have to consider that, you know... Back then. I hate to say it, it makes me sound old, but in the 70s, you know, cell phones were not uh, an active device. It wasn't something that everybody had. Uh, And so it would be very uh, easy for someone with a lack of a a lot of intelligence to get away with a lot of things because of just a lack of communication and and handshake between various agencies. Well, plus there were some pretty horrific police. uh, Lots of mistakes. Yeah, investigative skills that were used. There were lots of problems. And um, John Walsh gets into that. And there was a blood-soaked piece of carpet in the back of that Cadillac. Blood-soaked that Otis Tools said that he decapitated Adam in the back seat. Where was that blood-soaked piece of carpet? That was the ultimate piece of evidence in this case. Right, right there, it's lost, it's gone. What kind of police work is that? In the biggest unsolved murder case of a child in the history of Florida, you lose evidence? Unexcusable, absolutely unexcusable. You lose a car, how do you lose a car? But in the 70s, as you were saying, Tool's crimes turned murderous, but the exact number of his killings really isn't known because he's confessed to over 100 and then he recants. And it's very, very, very confusing. Even though he was like dumb as a bag of hair, we just don't know. And, you know, DNA and that type of stuff wasn't available. Uh, There aren't any security cameras anywhere. So at the Hollywood Sears at the mall there, there wasn't anything. So... Uh, after being picked up by a traveling salesman who forced him to have sex, Tool ran the man down with his car. That was when he was 14. Wow. That was his first murder. Yeah. So he was classified as a developmentally disabled person when he was a child. Okay. And he soon dropped out of school and turned to a life of petty crime. So in 1977, he did get married, though. He was still taking on a lover, and she left him shortly after. Yeah, she complained that he was a homosexual, and it was with Lucas. His partner in crime. Yes, and he, uh, the couple soon, he and his wife separated. But tell us about Lucas, his friend, Ron. You know a little bit about him, or, or Lexi. Go ahead. You want me to go for yeah. it? Go ahead. We're both chomping at the bit. <laughs> I mean, Henry Lucas was also just a messed up dude. His mother was a prostitute, and he actually went to jail for killing her. And he only served like a 10 to 15 year sentence because it was in a fit of rage oh, kind of okay. thing. The crime of passion. Yeah. And didn't he just have one eye? Yeah, he was stabbed when he was like 10. His mom was just like, eh, I'm just not going to take him. And it got infected and he lost his eye. Wow. He was a, yeah. He was a real looker. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. I mean, I guess Tool thought so. <laughs> Ouch. Okay. <laughs> um, his mom apparently would make him watch her jobs. And so I guess that's what, I don't know if he said or investigators said was the key source of why he was so messed up. That's ridiculous. I mean, I don't know. With the Demi Bohr book coming out, she says that her mom's boyfriend had sex with her when she was 15. And he said, that's what $500 will get from your mom or whatever. Like oh she God. sold, she sold Demi. Yikes. I mean, that's, that's altering. You know, Demi Moore didn't go on to kill like a hundred people, but uh, her life's been pretty screwed up as well. So it really starts in the home. It does, Basically, and you how know. people handle their trauma differently. Right, the coping skills. Some and become famous actresses, and others <laughs> take on a lover and murder a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. That's right. <laughs> 
But clearly there was an awful lot of poverty. There was an awful lot of abuse in, in both of their lives. And so clearly that had a little something to do with uh, what led them to eventually their life of multiple crimes. Yeah, and it's hard to really pin how many people were killed. Uh, they're saying following his mom's death in 1981, he said it, that he slept on her grave after she died. Apparently it was very, very shocking to him and upsetting that she died. He claimed nine more victims in six states between January 1982 and February 1983. So that was a very busy year for Otis Toole. And once he was in jail, Toole backed up... Uh, Lucas's game of confessions with police officers admitting that he helped Lucas with another 108 homicides. And that seems to be also another parallel between a lot of these serial killers is this. We talked about this with Gerard Schaefer. He would he would go back and forth uh, depending on who he was talking to. At one point, you know, he would claim hundreds of victims, multiple victims, and then other times he would claim he never killed anyone in his life. Uh, and that seems to be an also uh, something that these serial killers seem to share in common. Yeah. And the two of them were on the phone talking to each other about their kills. And, well, this is what they had to say. Apparently, they became cannibalistic. This is Lucas and uh, Tool. Yeah. That cut felt like meat. Well, I've seen bodies cut up worse than you've ever seen a body cut up. Tastes like real meat when it's got barbecue. Tastes like real meat when you got barbecue sauce on it, doesn't it? Wow. Man, that is just sick. God. And speaking of cannibalism, you know. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good transition. How about that? No, there was actually some some thought. The Adam Walsh thing was uh, the case that really brought Otis Toole and and Lucas to light uh, and put them under the spotlight and a lot of investigation because, you know, he was a... Uh, and uh, Adam was a young, attractive young boy who seemed what to have just doll. vanished into thin air. And then there were some questions about what he was doing there in the first place. So there was a whole lot of different moving parts to that that whole particular case. And the fact that it got so much attention shined a lot of light on them. And there was actually a, a guy that worked for the Miami Herald, a reporter for the Herald, that for a while floated the idea that he thought Jeffrey Dahmer was responsible for Adams. Yeah, Lexi knew. What, what did he you was know? living in Miami, right? Right. Aha, mm-hmm. uh-huh, another cannibal. So yeah, it was. They just didn't know who did it, and um, so the Walsh family long ago derided the investigation as botched into it. Well, um, it was botched. Yeah, and um, <laughs> and Walsh still he praised Hollywood, Florida Police Department for closing the case finally because it happened only 27 years after Adam. Right was killed and adam disappeared from a sears store in hollywood so this was right across the street from the hollywood police department right <laughs> literally right, right across the that's street. what on park but well Parker? no it's hollywood hollywood boulevard okay. but it's at the corner there of park park yeah, yeah. it's still there um in 1981 so this is when you that was the wife, you were I'm, down there in that area right, right i say in, that down there because we're in west palm beach and so you were with what WIOD or I had come down, I was um, doing a morning show on WSRF AM, which was She's AM, and um, was involved in production and was doing remotes for WSRF. That was our connection, was because it was in Hollywood, and okay. we were down and there. So I, I don't know if what other stations were there at the time. Was it a national story at that time? Um, I, I don't really... 
remember it being national. It was it was huge locally, and everybody was talking about it. And so that was our reason for jumping on it because it had gotten a lot of uh, local attention. Um, I think when it dragged on a little longer is when the national media picked it up. Well, this is according to John Walsh, who then, you know, he came up with America's Most Wanted after his son was taken, and he really started to campaign against violence against children. And Mm -hmm. he's explaining what happened that day when his wife at the time, Reve, took Adam to this Sears in Hollywood and basically what went down. Reve said, Adam, I'll be in the lamp department two hours over. And he said, Mommy, I know where that is. And uh, 10 minutes later, she returned and he was gone. You said, Lexi, that the police initially didn't do much about it when they went to him. Apparently, it took them 20 minutes to get there, that she was at customer service. She called her husband and is like, nobody is doing anything. I can't find my son. I'm freaking out. I think it just wasn't common back then. So they weren't freaking out. They were like, you'll find him. He's just wandering. Right. There was some discussion about uh, what vehicle they had seen, a, a blue van. That was the Dahmer connection because at the time, I think Jeffrey Dahmer owned a blue van. But there were some folks who did uh, remember seeing a, a little boy get in a car, uh, and that car matched the description of one that uh, had apparently was owned by Otis Toole, which you said we were talking about the case being botched. The Hollywood police somehow lost that they had obtained that car and then they somehow lost it. They not only had, they had a piece of the carpet in the back because Otis eventually said that he had decapitated Adam and drove around with the head in the back seat and the piece of carpet came from the back seat where he said he decapitated him. Mm -hmm. They not only lost the carpet, the blood-soaked carpet, they lost the entire car. Right, exactly. And there was uh, also some reports that the machete he claimed to have used was in the vehicle at the time. Jesus. Wow. So uh, this is John and Reve talking about when finally, 27 years later, they get some closure and they find out who indeed killed their son. It is our determination and conclusion that Otis Toole was the abductor and murderer of Adam Walsh. This is a wonderful, wonderful day in spite of why we're here. For uh, 27 years, we've been asking who could take a six-year-old boy? And murder him and decapitate him. Who? We needed to know. Yeah. A drifter and violent pedophile who died in prison 12 years earlier before they figured out he did it. So he's dead and buried from cirrhosis of the liver. Mm -hmm. And then they finally come back. and You know why? Because they had a FOIA, the Freedom of Information Act media, and they started digging into the case. Mm -hmm. And they saw how botched it was. And so then they reopened it cold case and set up a task force and started to reinvestigate what's going on with this case. And it was just appalling how it was handled it, or, or mishandled. You have, Lexi, you have a list of ways that police proved that it was Otis that was the killer, even though there was a made-for-TV movie that came out the day before he confessed to killing, so he could have watched that because he had a TV in jail. He was in prison for arson, right? Yeah. Okay. So what, what were the other things that they had because they... They didn't have the car. They didn't have the carpet. Um, what other things did they have? Well, they started seeing if his story was credible. They took him to different seers and were trying to catch him in a lie, and he was able to specifically point out, this is where I took the boy. Also, the medical examiner said Adam was punched in the face, 
And that matched with Otis's story. And that wasn't made, that was a fact that wasn't given to it the public. It wasn't given to the media, I do not believe. Right. So the fishermen found Adam's head in a canal more than 100 miles away from where he disappeared. They never found his body, but they did have his head. So they could have confirmed that he had facial fractures. Yes. And you have another creepy little factoid. Yeah, Tool was a real Looney Tune. Apparently he would write letters to Disney World and even wrote Adam's father boasting about the murder and then asking for the reward money. Adam's father said he puked when he read the letter. Gosh, good grief. Did you have anything else that linked Otis Tool to this? Well, there were some conversations between Otis and Henry Lee Lucas, some jailhouse phone conversations that were uh, transcribed where Otis specifically talked about uh, he kept talking about that little boy and about how he he said, the devil, I, I guess I let the devil get into me. I don't know why I did what I did to that little boy. So there and, and for some I don't I don't really know entirely John's rationale, but there was enough of something accomplished by some investigation that seemed to have convinced him that that Otis was the, the killer. Well, Lucas tried to take credit for it as well. Like he was claiming to have been there and that they did it together. And then he was in jail for an old auto theft warrant at the time of the murder. Right, and there were a, there were a, a lot of uh, different murders that they tried to pin on Otis, and they actually uh, they they only got him for uh, one or two, but they actually worked out a timeline with this this piece of crap car that he had right. that I think eventually broke down, which led to him being arrested for committing a crime. Yeah, uh, he, and then it got sold and sold right. and then ended up in a junkyard. They said it would have been physically impossible for that piece of junk to have gotten as far as it did <laughs> to all these different locations all over the country in such a short period of time. He literally would have had to kill somebody, jump in the car, drive to another state, kill somebody, jump in a... And go, I see. You know. It just wouldn't work. So there was some... Uh, speculation among a lot of folks that the police departments were just trying to pin any any cold case that they couldn't solve, you know, that was staring them in the face and embarrassing them for, to their superiors. They were trying to pin on Otis. And the media and, and, uncovered and, that, right? Right. Again, a case of somebody who admits to several different murders, uh, sometimes admitting to committing none, sometimes admitting to committing astronomical numbers, and you have the authorities who are playing playing oh. right along. Oh yeah, they they love it. You were saying, Lexi, that they liked being able to fly Travel. around. They were trapped. Did they, they fly were, or did they drive? Well, I know Lucas. Twenty six states. I know Lucas flew, but I'm not sure about Tool. I know he was taken on multiple field trips. Right. Well, apparently they were, they said they massacred people, anyone they could find, hitchhikers, prostitutes, migrant workers. They'd pick them up, lure them off to a quiet area, and then they would murder them. They had no they MO. Said. Right. Yeah, so, so that's, that's the other what thing. made it hard to find them because usually nowadays there's a pattern or a certain type of victim, mm -hmm. and Lucas and Tool were just all for it well like anybody lucas claims that he would even coach otis on the best ways to get away with murder he was doing his crimes all one way and lucas would later say i started to correct him in his ways and doing the crime where he wouldn't leave information i guess because he was not very he was what they call him de developmentally uh challenged yeah so that's putting it mildly didn't he get his sentence revoked like not revoked well, but he, like he lessened got, because of his mental oh he did receive the death penalty but i perhaps he did get it commuted to life in prison because he ended up dying of cirrhosis of the liver in prison but their relationship fell apart because lucas started seeing tools 
12-year-old niece, Becky Powell. Go. <laughs> Becky Powell and um, her brother, his nephew, I, I think his name was Frank, <laughs> were in tools custody. And they would actually go with them to the crimes. It was, seemed like a perfect cover. So for a guy that's not that smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he mm. also liked having people look up to him. And these kids looked up to him. And she was his favorite niece. But unfortunately, Lucas ran off with her. To Texas. Yeah, he said uh, he wanted to look, someone to look up to him and that there was no one better than that than a small child. Well, Lucas grabbed her, ran off, and left Tool alone. And apparently Tool was so upset that he allegedly killed nine people to blow off steam. We don't know. Right. But he said that once he heard that Lucas and that young Becky Paul didn't make it that far and Powell, would, he would soon learn, was uh, actually killed by Lucas. Wow. The pair apparently got into an argument and Lucas lured Becky back into an isolated field and murdered her, dismembered her body and scattered the pieces in a nearby field, like you do. And then for no reason other than twisted rage, he lured the woman who owned the ranch out to the same field and killed her and stuffed her body in a drainage pipe. So here's Otis when he found out that Lucas had killed his favorite niece. This is what he said he would like to do. I killed her myself because he killed uh, killed my own flesh and blood, and I know how I feel this now. It really hurts. So that's when their rampage really ended once he killed Becky, Lucas. uh, And shortly thereafter, Tool, uh, they were both imprisoned. Tool was separately imprisoned for burning 64-year-old man alive. Yeah, he had quite a thing about fire. Yeah, he was an arsonist, right? And uh, yeah, put that's putting it mildly. Yeah, apparently, yeah, he boarded this guy up in his room, this disabled guy, and set the boarding house on fire. Well, this fits perfectly then, John Walsh, in what he hopes for Otis Tool. Otis Tool deserved the horrible death that he got. He should have had a worse death, and I hope he burns in hell for the rest of his life. Burns in hell. Yes, he died in prison. Uh, Otis did 1996 of cirrhosis of the liver. And they were saying if law enforcement knew how close he was to death and how sick he was, they would have gone back in for that final interview to get a deathbed confession. I think Bundy gave a lot of information. Right before people die, they tend to, you know, want to own up to stuff. But what could you really believe with these people? Yeah, I mean, Bundy denied it until the very end. He worked with activists to, like, overturn his sentence pleading he was innocent until maybe a month or two before. Now, unlike Tool, he was a pretty smart guy. He was a law student. Yeah. So he so. Did, he was his own, he was pro se. He <laughs> defended himself. But uh, yeah, what a creepy case. And poor Adam Walsh. I just ugh, hate to think about what happened to him. But it, somehow, some way, even crimes back then when we didn't have DNA and surveillance video, they ended up going to jail anyway for another crime. So in the long run, perhaps they bad guys end up in the right place, hopefully. Eventually. At least in this case, he was taken off the streets. Exactly. Because he was certainly wrecking havoc for a while. Yeah. All over the country. Yeah. And the two of them together were a pretty deadly combination. Yeah. Well, that wraps up Full Rigger. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Lexi. And until next time, bye. Your story. It lives in River City. Where you can enjoy a metropolitan vibe and a small town feel where we set the standard for service and looking out for one another, where there's so much more than steak in our thriving food scene. Your story is the story of Omaha, told by those who live it and love it. Whether that's helping you keep up with the Cornhuskers or creating the content you crave. And here in the Omaha World Herald is where it comes to life. Omaha World Herald, where your story lives. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music, and the right motivation from world-class instructors. 
We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.